So we are in a series that is called Ready, Set, Go, and Greg um, did the ready, part one and two, and um, asked me, he asked me to do set even when he was here last week, and, uh, and I told you I joked that it was only because of the football game, but um, I know that it was not because of the timing of when he asked me, but because we were not planning to do set that weekend, so uh, it was just the way things worked out because I was out of town. And as soon as I began to study the, the set part of this series, the Lord immediately showed me that it would be two parts um, because of what he gave me. And, um, and as I was saying to the ladies downstairs for the, uh, for the small group hour, I um, often get from the Lord what he, to give to, in my teaching or to others, what he directly gives me. And so I needed this reminder and yet when he gave it to me it also became this week the fight of my life because when the enemy becomes aware that we have a word to encourage others he then begins to attack and um so i just i just pray this morning and have been praying that god would encourage you with this word this morning Have you ever been in a position in your life, a place in your life, a time in your life, a circumstance in your life, a relationship in your life where all you wanted to do was give up? Where that became, that just every day that you woke up, you found yourself in some way, shape, or form wanting to just give up. You know, I don't think there is a person that's lived very long that has not faced the temptation to want to give up. And there is such a great, there are so many places in scripture where we see great examples of that. But one of the ones we're going to be looking at this morning is in the book of Nehemiah. He is such a great example of uh, God calling and placing uh, just a, a calling in his life where he just did not give up in the face of many, many obstacles and challenges. And just to kind of go back and, and remind you, you know, set is the place where you're determined to stay, okay, in this ready, set, go scenario. Set is the place where you, you, you know you're calling, God has gotten you ready, and, and now you're in this place where you've just got to stay the course. And our theme verse from last week was 1 Corinthians um, 15, verse 58, which is um, that we are to be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. That is, those are the three points of last week's message, and I do hope you listen to it online but that was the theme verse, and also Colossians 3.12, which is, or 3.2, which is to set your affections on things not on the earth, but on things above. We need to set our course for the, the supernatural, the spiritual, the, the, the heavenly realm, because that's really our real reality. But Nehemiah is such a great example of this, and um, so I want you to turn, if you would, to the book of Nehemiah, and if you don't know where that is, it is... After the book of Ezra, you've got, you've got your first and second kings, first and second chronicles, and then you have Ezra, Nehemiah, right before Esther, Job, Psalms. Okay, so it's before the Psalms in the book. But I do want you to, I was saying to the ladies downstairs that the, statistically, you may think, I certainly, I certainly hope and pray you came this morning wanting to, to actually hear something from the Lord, wanting to hear something. Do you know that the studies that have been done on memory and retention is that you may think you will remember what this morning is about, but you, you just won't, except for about 5 to 10%. And that's 10 is, is stretching it. Usually it's about 5%. So the ways that you can get uh, retention is 
to <clears throat> participate by looking at the word, by taking notes. Every time we do a bulletin, we have a section here which is to take notes. And so I do want you to write some things down and, and actually engage, because believe me, it is for your brain. You will think you will remember, and you won't remember. And I know that the Lord has um, something to encourage you with that you are facing, and perhaps something that maybe you've already given up on, that the Lord wants to say, no, don't give up on this. I want you to stay the course, and I want you to finish what I've started in you. And uh, so I want to encourage you with that this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. So we're going to turn to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is just a great example um, of a man of God who listened to God, he was obedient, and he stuck to what God called him to do, no matter what. And um, we're going to be looking at three areas, but I want to kind of give you what the backdrop is and the story of this. Um, Nehemiah was a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes, and um, basically God had given him, had just really placed in his heart this passion to restore uh, the, uh, the wall of Jerusalem. And so we're going to look at just the first few verses here in um, chapter 1 and chapter 2. So if you just follow me, I'm going to be in the NIV uh, translation, just in case you're wondering. I, I like the, uh, the New Living, but, but the NIV is really good. But this is, it's such a great story. But so I'm going to kind of get, lay the backdrop here before we get going. So in Nehemiah chapter 1, it says, In the month of, of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Han and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. This is Nehemiah writing. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, uh, and are back in the province, and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and the gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days, this is Nehemiah talking again, for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who obey him and obey his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer. Your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands and decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then, even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeem by your great strength and your mighty hand. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your, success, your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. So, this story starts with a passion that God has placed inside the heart, a vision and a burden. You know, many of the big ministries that you see in the world that have been started, great movements. There's a, there's a huge movement now that's attacking human trafficking and, and, and people that are going all over the world to, um, to deal with these 
horrible um, injustices, horrible things that are, are in ruins because of you know, uh, either injustice or people's sins. And oftentimes it starts with the vision that God places in the heart of one person that just spreads. And so Nehemiah is, is just, it, God has just placed this heavy burden and vision on his, his heart to just restore these walls. It's just leaving them just vulnerable. And so he is, as a cupbearer to the king, he has to ask God to change the king's heart, to allow him to go from his position. You didn't just quit your job in those days. I mean, you have to be careful what, what you're doing. This is, he is assigned to the king, and, uh, and so he's got to get the king's cooperation, and, and Nehemiah knew that. So look in, verse, in chapter 2 here. So in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought before him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah, where my fathers are buried, so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, How long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, If it pleases the king... May I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah? And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my request. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. God really had to, for the king to even care that he was sad was a miracle of God. But for him to then ask about it and then grant all of these requests, that's the hand of God on this situation. So Nehemiah knew he had a calling, and he knew that God's hand was upon him. Okay, so then the next verse, which is significant, because oftentimes when God puts a, something in your heart that he wants you to do, it won't be without opposition. Because sometimes we have those feel-good moments. We watch a commercial, and we're so moved, like, a, like standing in the aisle of a Hallmark store, and you're reading these cards, and they break your heart. And that might be your emotion for the moment. But if something is real and you are really called to make changes, God will oftentimes let that be tested. So verse 10 of chapter 2 says, When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Now, <coughs> you start to see from verse 11 <laughs> To about the end of that chapter, 
he, the next several verses here, he begins to kind of assess the land. Look in verse 14. He said, then I moved forward, or I moved toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, and there was not enough room for my mount to get through. Things were in such despair, such ruin. So I went up the valley by the night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles, or officials, or any others who might be, who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, verse 17, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them, in verse 18, I also told them about the gracious hand of God, of, of my God upon me, and what the king said to me. And these people were inspired, and they said, they replied by saying, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. So he inspired the people that needed to help him. He inspired them, and they could see God's hand upon them, and, and the Spirit of God began to move even in them. Because Nehemiah was seeking God for everything that he did. But, then you see right away in verse 19, Sandalot and Tobiah the Ammonite, the official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it. And they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this that you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? Well, let me just stop there for a moment. We're going to talk about three things this morning. When you are asked to do something, when God just places in your heart to do something, and you know when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have a calling immediately. When the Holy Spirit resides, he doesn't just hang out there for no reason. You are so loved by God. He has a purpose for your life, and not just a purpose to give you the ticket to heaven for eternity, but a purpose to have interaction with you, to have a relationship with you, to use your life for his purposes. Why would Jesus Christ die on the cross for our sins and then not even want to communicate with us? You know, it's, he wants more from us and for us than we could ever even imagine. And so when this calling is placed on our lives, oftentimes we are faced with opposition. So we're going to actually talk about three things today. Face your critics, fix your cracks, and find your strength in God alone. So face your critics. You can see right away, right out of the gate, Nehemiah. It isn't too long even into the story where he finds out, okay, there are some people that are not happy about this. You know, have you ever noticed that sometimes when, when you are, are wanting to do something good, you know, that's something that, that you just want to be good. I've noticed that even when people seek even to have success. I have noticed it in families where maybe the majority of the family has not been educated. And then there's a, a person in the family that decides to just pursue higher education. It's so interesting that there's oftentimes not support for them to be encouraged to move on. And, and yes, oh good, none of us got the education that you're desiring. Go, go ahead and, and we just support you, we love you. Isn't it interesting, have you ever noticed families, maybe this has even happened in your own life, where people actually, well, who do you think you are? Well, why would you want to do that? Why, why do you want to change what's always been done? Why, why do you want to... Uh, upset the apple cart of, of the norm around here and actually want something more. You notice sometimes that that happens? It's, it's very, very interesting, the types of critics and why critics come about. This was one of those interesting times. 
Here in Nehemiah, it's obvious the walls were in ruin. I mean, they were completely vulnerable. And for him to want to come in, he didn't ask these critics anything to, that would have to mess up their lives, but they immediately, he immediately faced their opposition. Look in um, verse 19 of chapter 2. And look at that again. They mocked Sanballat and Tobiah. They mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing? Now, skip over, because this is just, they just don't stop. In chapter 4, look in chapter 4. This is interesting. When Sanballat, starting at verse 1, when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what are they building? Even a, if even a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their wall of stones. Ouch. I mean, way to support, guys. You know, like they, they're, they're living in this area, and, and, and he's kind of wanting to come in and make changes. I always find that to be just really amazing. But you know what? Nehemiah, his response was, I'm not going to take on my enemies myself. Have you ever faced a critic in your life, and you wanted to just give them the what and the for, connected, hard, and just be like, I, I just, you know, and feel justified, especially when the criticism is absurd. You want to kind of go after them and feel that sense of vengeance. Well, we know, of course, that Scripture says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But you know, when you go to the Lord, He has a way of dealing with your enemies and your critics that you could not even think of. First of all, God loves them as much as He loves you. So God's way of dealing with them will be a way of humbling them and stopping them, and halting them, and, and stopping the, the evil intention in them, while still seeking to turn their life around. But Nehemiah immediately went to God, and did not go to his enemies directly. If you look at verse 4 of chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land in a land of captivity, do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. He goes on to just continue his work. He cries out to God, God, call them out. Call them out on this. Don't let them get away with this. Don't let them, for your sake, push back against what I know you have placed in my heart to do. For whatever reason, God, they don't want to see this move forward. So Stop their intentions. Stop them halting your glory being shown in this work. Stop them, God. You know, oftentimes there is nothing you can do about your critics, but you can sure go before the Lord. You'll see that all through the Psalms. David sought God about his enemies and said, God, will you just take care of these people? They're, they're just, they're, they're trying to stop the, what you want to do. And so, he didn't take on his enemies. He asked God to deal with them. And you know what? We need a war in the spirit realm against our enemies. Don't war in the human realm, especially when you are getting attacked by a Pharisee. If you are getting attacked by somebody with a religious spirit, it is so confusing 
at times the way that people will often try, try to twist. Many of you know the um, opposition that even Ignition Church has faced in starting this calling. Um, there are times that God asks you to do things that do not make sense. Why would it make sense to take two humanly known successful ministries, walk away from them and start something completely from scratch when you have no money and no place to go? Why? That doesn't make any sense. But you know what? God doesn't have to make sense in the human realm. He has a plan. In Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. He is doing things that doesn't make sense. And it is the faith that we have in him and the obedience that we have in him that pleases him. And so oftentimes we need to just say, okay, God, as we talked about in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. You know, understanding is a very interesting concept. Only God can really give us true understanding of things. You know, when I look at how I am shaping and guiding and molding um, Yvonne's life as a, as a young girl, seven years old, you know, even when we are... Um, Let's say we're stopping at a store late at night, and I'm, I'm wanting to protect her. So I've been teaching her, you know, when we get out of the car at night, always be aware of your surroundings. Just look around. Be aware if somebody's near the car. Just always be aware. Make sure that you, you, know, you do what you got to do, but you, you stay aware, and then you get in, get out. You don't dilly-dally around. That's kind of how I say it. <laughs> and, uh, and just be aware. And she's not going to understand why that makes sense. And, of course, she asks me why, and I don't want to take the time to go into great depth about how, you know, all the evil things that you hear about on the news. But I just say because we need to be smart. Not everybody is good and has good intentions, and so we need to be wise to protect ourselves. And then she just has to trust from there. But, you know, at, with, she can't help that as a seven-year-old that she's only seven years old. You know, a three-year-old can't help that they're only three years old. We, we learn as we go. We only gain understanding as it is taught us. And so we have to trust God and lean on his understanding that he gives to us. We cannot see, oftentimes, the pitfalls in front of us. So we need to really trust in him. But we've got a war in the spirit realm. And, you know, when God's work is at stake, ask God for the spirit of a conqueror within you. Man, when you are fighting in the spirit realm for someone that you love to turn away from their lost life or their sinful life. Maybe they've accepted Jesus Christ and, and the enemy's gotten a hold of them and they're going down a wrong path. You know, you, maybe you're, I've, I've oftentimes, and I'm even now in my prayer life, I am warring in the spirit realm for people in my life that I'm burdened for, whether it be people in my family or, um, you know, friends of mine or people that, that I've known in ministry. And, and I'm asking God to do a work in them and I'm fighting for them. Ask God for the spirit of a conqueror, the spirit of a, of a warrior within you to just fight for people. And, and when God's work and God's plan is at stake, we need to fight. We can't always do anything about it. In fact, I was just praying this morning. I was like, Lord, he laid someone on my heart. And I thought, I don't even know how to pray, how to articulate what it is that I want you to do in their life, God. But just show up. Show up in a way that changes them, changes their heart for you. Do it because you want to be their everything and, and, and fight for them. Boy, that's, that's, that's really the way to handle it. In verse 9 of chapter 6, 
Well, actually, let's just turn to chapter 6. Let me show you something that, that I find very interesting about this particular way that, um, that he was criticized. <clears throat> very sneaky way. And this is just so like the enemy. In, ver- in chapter 6, it says, When the word came to Sambalat, Tobiah, and uh, Geshem, and the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall, and had not a gap left in it, though at that time I had not set the doors in its gates, they sent me, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ano or Ono. Okay, well, Nehemiah sensed in his spirit he knew that they were scheming to harm him. And so the messenger sent him some various messages. Verse 4, it says, four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time... Sambalot sent his aid to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, oh my goodness, listen to this, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem, and Geshem says it is true that you and the Jews are plotting a revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king. And have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. You're about to make that proclamation, proclamation that there is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. So come, let us confer together. Well, Nehemiah was just like, I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening, verse 8. You are just making it up out of your head. Have you ever had a criticism that was just like, you are dishonest, you are deceitful, and that is not true. Now, those are the times when the enemy can win on two fronts. He can win discouraging you, and he can win making you want to take matters into your own hands. Because it's one thing to be criticized in a truthful way and just flat out discourage you. I know you're doing this, Peter, and and I'm not going to support you, and what are you doing that for? But when they say, I know you're doing this because of this, 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 and this, and I know your motive and adding lies to the criticism, oh boy, okay, don't you just, your flesh rises up and it just wants to set them straight? Like, this is wrong. Now, there's nothing wrong with saying that that is wrong, that is incorrect. But boy, oh boy, you've got to leave that with the Lord. That is a, that is a tough one. But I prayed. Okay, first of all, he says in verse 9, they were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. See, they were trying to psych them out, trying to scare them, trying to defeat them. So they, I mean, it was already weary work. These people, these, the Israelites were already being treated very, very badly during this time. And that's why there was nobody that had started the rebuilding of the wall before Nehemiah came. I mean, it was just, they were just down and out. They were being abused by the leadership at that time. And um, so Nehemiah came in and wanted to inspire not only the rebuilding of the wall, but new treatment of the people that was wrong. And he stood up for what was right. But in, in all of that, um, they, were, they were lying about him. So he said, and, and this just really spoke to me this week, but I prayed, was his answer. But I prayed. Now I'm not saying silence, that there are times when the Holy Spirit leads you to speak truth against lies, but you got to be careful where it is in your flesh. Because see, when God is on your side, you cannot lose. There are times when we speak out in our flesh, and we might feel real good about mouthing off to somebody's 
unjust criticism. We might feel wonderful about it, but it will have no effect if God's not in it. If God is not leading you to say it. If God is not directing it. Because see, only God can change a heart. You know, Nehemiah could have come up with a great speech for the king when he was initially asking him if he could go. Would that speech really have made any difference if God had not changed his heart? Because if you know anything about how kings rule, it's, I mean, oftentimes they would rule based on their mood, you know? And so only God could give him that sensitivity to, to Nehemiah's being downcast and sad and give him that desire to want to aid him, to want to, first of all, lose his cupbearer, that's a big deal, and then to give him all this help. So God had to be on this. And this is why when God's hand is on it, we've got to leave it to God. And I've not always been so good about this. But God is teaching me that the real place to fight is in the spirit realm. And boy, have I gone to battle recently over that. I have asked God to crush the intent and the words and the critics against the ignition calling. Do you know why? Because it's God's work at stake. It doesn't matter if I'm part of it or not. It doesn't matter my reputation or not. But when God wants to do something, I pray that anything that comes against that be stopped. So that God will have all of his plan move forward. He is, we are more than conquerors through Christ. And um, when God gives me the privilege to be a part of it, it's got to be for him. And, you know, oftentimes we, we will respond out of the, the selfish vindicate, vindication for our, for our own selves. But, boy, you can know that when God wants to, to um, have his will be done, then to war for that to, to be brought to fruition is absolutely within his will. So face your critics, but do it in the right way. Number two, fix your cracks. You know, when you want to give up, the enemy wants nothing more than for you to give up. He wants you to give up on everything. And the thing that's interesting to me about um, the way the enemy lies to us is he will often have us look at somebody else and say, but it's easy for them. They're not giving up because they don't have my issues. (coughs) Excuse me. They don't have, that's easy for them. Uh, people sometimes have said that because I, I train at the gym. Well, of course you exercise. Of course you do that all the time because that's easy for you. That couldn't be further, th- further from the truth. I wake up achy. I wake up with my neck completely out. I wake up sometimes with my shoulder, my elbow throbbing like crazy. It takes every ounce of everything in me to be faithful with my workout, to stop from shoveling into my face at times. I mean, like, you know, these are not things that come easy. In fact, the, the more that I see things that, um, that look easy in some people, I often think, you know what, I wonder, I wonder what, what they go through. I wonder, because it's not easy. We're, we're human. You know, we're, we're gonna, people think that about people in ministry. Oh, it's easy. Well, the pastors, I mean, they're going to show up. Pastor Greg is going to, he just, of course he's going to show up. That's easy for him to be faithful. I mean, you don't, I mean, you don't know what I go through. He does it because God gives him the strength to do it. I told you last week, he's not a morning person. He just gets up and gets there, and you kind of just say, I, if God places in your heart to do something, whether it be something very personal, taking care of yourself, being a good steward of yourself, or ministry that you're to help others, or you're to start something, or a, or a, a job, or you know, prayer life, whatever. If he, if he places that in your heart, then you've got to say, okay, God, you've got to do it then. You've got to do it. But then when you go to do it, you've got to believe. Take that first step and believe that he will do it through you. I can do all things 
through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I had to actually say that out loud. Yvonne kept hearing that in the car. Because I just, there were just things, weird things hitting me this week. And, and this week too, um, if, you, if you think ever that since, certainly since we've started Ignition, that there aren't times when the enemy has just said, just give up, just give up. It's too hard. There's, there's, there's too much loss. This, this isn't the amount of work that you signed up for. This isn't what you thought it would look like. You know, there are so many times, and those of you that are parents, you know, when you, when you had your first child, could you have even imagined the amount of work? I mean, and I was, I had many, many nieces and nephews before I had children. So I watched my siblings parent their kids. So I had an idea. I was right beside them while they were parenting. So different when it's all your responsibility. It's just so different. And you know what's sad is today we see more and more parents neglecting their responsibilities. You don't just say, well, you know, when you're a parent, you're just going to do it because, I mean, you're the parent. Obviously not so. There are people that, like Greg just described, that drop off their children right to, a, to an orphanage and just, just neglect their children. There are people that keep their children out of pride and then neglect them every single day. So, no, it isn't automatic. It takes tremendous strength. And when God puts something in you, we've got to claim his power, claim his strength, and, and stay the course and, and set our, our purpose and, and our lives in him. Fix your cracks, though. Look at verse 6. I mean, excuse me, chapter 6, verse 1. It says here, when he's rebuilding the wall, he had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it. Okay, so this is the word of the Lord came to his enemies, okay, and the rest of the enemies, that Nehemiah said that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it. Don't leave any gaps in your life. You know, that's about all it takes for the enemy. He just wants a little crack. He just wants a little crack to just start, okay, yeah, they're not really paying attention to this. You know, if, if you were trying to break in or break out, People that have broken out of prison, they start with that little crack and they just begin to work on it, work on it, work on it. And more and more and more, it can open up. In Ephesians 6, you know that is the chapter where it talks about the armor of God. The armor of God. Put on the armor of God. We need to be strong in verse 10 and 11. Be strong in the Lord's mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies and the tricks of the enemy. See, when you have your armor on, it isn't something you do in your flesh. It's put on the armor so that you're protected, so that the armor can protect you, okay? And the armor is God's protective strength. Don't think you can fight the battle in your own. That's the first lie you buy into, is thinking that you can do it. And that, by the way, comes from religion. I'll just do this. I'll just be faithful to church. I'll just buckle down and start reading my Bible more. You know what? Go to the Lord and say, Lord, you know my weaknesses. You know where I struggle. You know sometimes where I just, you know where maybe I'm dyslexic. Maybe I'm ADD. And I just, I don't have the stamina, God, supernaturally. I just need you to work through it. I love um, uh, Todd White's testimony. Um, when uh, The amount of the Bible that he has studied with his learning disability. I mean, he could not, he couldn't read and couldn't focus to save his life. And of course, you know, God got him off drugs and just radically saved his life. But, I mean, he is a living testimony, and I've heard many, many others as well, but he is a living testimony to the fact that, yes, when your heart's desire is to do something and the Lord places it in your heart, an excuse is just an excuse because it's, it's not even about us. It's about Christ in us. When we get ourselves out of the way, he will work through us. Now, easier said than done. 
Um, when I think of giving up, all the enemy has to do is accuse me of things in my past, of my deficiencies, of my weaknesses, and guess what? I'm not showing up to give a lesson because why would I? I, I have no business standing up and telling people anything when I have these adequacy, you know, inadequacies. God will, or Satan will often, um, in Revelation 12, he is the accuser of the brethren, but he will oftentimes accuse us. Now, what I've had to go back to then is there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. When I know that my sins are confessed and the power of God is on me, those deficiencies don't matter. They are, they are taken care of through Christ. But you know, sometimes the enemy will either remind you by bombarding your mind or he'll even agitate someone around you to say something critical into your life. Why can't you just get it together? Why can't you pay attention to this? Why can't you keep up with this? What, what, what's wrong with you? This is the third time you've been this or that. Why, you know, why can't you do this? And all of a sudden, you're thinking, yeah, that's pretty much true. I'm, you know, I'm, I am. I am this kind of person. I am. I, I, I do neglect this. I, I make this mistake. I guess, yes. I guess I am, you know. I don't, I'm not faithful with this. I am ugly. I am fat. I, you know, and all of a sudden now you've got this self-condemning spirit on you because the enemy has, has just robbed you and, and basically lied to you and said that these are reasons to stop you. You know, every time you get attacked with something like that, immediately I want you to say, thank you, Lord, that even with all those things that, that I'm being reminded of right now, you love me and you want to use me? That is a miracle. Because guess what? If I was absolutely perfect, I wouldn't even need you. But the fact that you love me and you want relationship with me when I am so deficient in so many things and I am such a mess is such a tribute to who you are. See, it's all about God. And oftentimes we relate to God based on how we are doing ourselves. If we're feeling good about ourselves and we've had a good week, okay, we read our Bible, we, you know, ate healthy, we stayed away from bad things, then all of a sudden now, oh God, you just praise you, God, you must love me. <laughs> I had a good week. But then the times that we don't feel good, we, we relate God to how we look at ourselves. That is not how God sees us. God sees us through Jesus Christ who paid for our sins. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. He loves you so much. And that's why I was so passionate about making the retreat theme this year be about God's lavish love because we are so messed up today in understanding God's love. We will make mistakes. But God does not see us in relation to those mistakes. His love is there. He is the one that faith, that is faithful. The song we sing, his love never fails. It doesn't matter if we fail. His love does not fail us. And so we've got to, one of the ways that we can fix these cracks in our lives is by filling them, filling them with the truth of God's word. Any place that there's an opening and a crack where the enemy keeps getting in and attacking you, Fill it up like this, this thick putty and mortar of truth of God's word. Just, just block it in and s surround yourself with the truth of God's word and the armor and all the pieces of the armor. And Greg had fantastic notes when he did that series on all the armor. But Satan only needs a, a crack to begin to start working. And so we've got to be careful that we walk in truth. In Proverbs 25, verse 28, it says, 
He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. We need to build up our spirit with the truth of God's word. We are going to fail. That is the thing. That no matter what kind of a great week that you've had, you can only sustain it in your humanness for so long before you'll just crash. It has got to be God. So then who is God when you fail? Is he the God that just, bummer, you kind of screwed up this week, so I'm going to go ahead and just leave you here, and I'm going to go ahead and work on this person because they're doing better. we got to know who God is, and you'll get to know the character of God when you get in the Word. There's nothing like um, just understanding and getting to know God better than to help us really heal those lies, and I'll mention that in more in a second. The third point I want to mention today, in terms of, of the you, you're fixing your cracks, but then find your strength in God alone. This is something in Nehemiah. I want you to look at chapter four, verse twenty here, and we'll get through this hopefully in the next couple minutes here, so I can be done. But I want you to just pay attention for a couple more minutes. In verse twenty of chapter four, it's Nehemiah is saying, "Our God will fight." us. These are, this is such a great part of, the, of this battle um, that they, they kind of fought with. They, they were rebuilding the walls, but then they were fighting against these naysayers that were uh, criticizing them. Look in verse 16 here. It says, from that day on, well, 15 really, when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it. Okay, God answered their prayer and he frustrated the plot of their enemies. Okay, we all return to the wall, each to his own work. From that day on, Nehemiah says, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped <coughs> with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work. Listen up, listen, listen. This is critical for our lives now. Those who carried the materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his uh, sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. As we go about and do the work of the Lord, one of the things you need to do in your work is have your weapon. You know what's a weapon? Weapon is two things, truth and worship. When you worship the Lord... There is nothing like clearing the presence you are in of demonic activity and demonic oppression than worship. Worship is an amazing weapon against the enemy. This week, as I have been attacked from everything you, you can't even imagine, the, everything and the kitchen sink has been thrown at me in terms of giving up. I mean, give up on that retreat. Every single obstacle. I, was, I remember waking up in the middle of the night a couple nights ago and... <coughs> It's like the enemy was just reminding me of all the people that are not coming or that for whatever reason there's this obstacle, that obstacle. And I'm telling you, I just kept fighting back with worship. And sometimes you don't know what to say, and that is why we need worship music. I believe God's hand has just been on the lyric of the worship music. There's so many things that as this worship music is playing that, that will give me, because so many of these people, when God inspires them to, to read it, now song, reading the Psalms is another great, I, I often read the Psalms, and those are songs. That's where the worship songs are the Psalms. But there's so many good lyrics today that are come directly from Scripture that will stick in your mind because it's, it's um, music. 
And uh, when you fight back with, with knowing that, you know, all things work together for good. We just saying that. All things work together for good. So no matter what you're going through, don't give up. God is a good, good father. He will work things together for good. You cannot maybe see that now, but he will work it together for good. Um, he will, um, as we stay the course, as we stay set on him, he will do it. The wall um, ended up getting completed. And of course, it says in verse 20 that and our God will fight for us. But look at, skip over now to, to the last chapter that I want to show you tonight, today, and that is um, chapter 6. In verse 15 and 16, <coughs> it says, So the wall was completed on the 25th day of El Elo in 52 days. When all our enemies heard this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. You know, when God's hand is on your life, there is no person on earth or devil in hell that can keep you from doing what God has. When, when you have the sword of the Spirit in one hand and, and your, your, your worship in the other as you do your work, nothing can stop you. If God be for us, who can be against us? So when you press forward, what is it that you need to press forward? Maybe it's your testimony at work. Maybe it is your testimony to your family. And by the way, remember, we said this, said this to the ladies downstairs, but testimony starts with the word test. You have a testimony when you have passed the tests, okay, more and more so. And the test is just doing, sometimes just saying no to your flesh and saying, okay, I'm going to be a testament. I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like being nice to this person today that's constantly mocking me. Or even sometimes we get, we get so hurt when somebody even rolls their eyes. You know, we, we don't even know what persecution is. Because I know, I, I've, I've had people roll their eyes or, or snicker, and I think that that's persecution. It, it's not compared, but it hurts. It still hurts. And, and that test will be your testimony. To pass that test and to still show God's love and God's um, truth and, and, and doing what God wants in the midst of that will be your testimony. But we've got to stick with it. We've got to have... Um, that, that spirit of a, of a conqueror, of a warrior within us. In Zechariah 4, 6, I've often quoted, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. God's strength is in us. He gives power. Isaiah verse 40. And these are just references you can write down. Isaiah 40 verse 29. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. He offers strength. To the weak. Man, I need that. I need God to be my strong tower sometimes. You know, when I'm going before the Lord. And you know what? Sometimes that is when he is absolutely at his strongest in our lives. Why? Because it's like the person that's drowning trying to save themselves when the lifeguard is there. And you, you guys have heard the story. I've even said it several times. Sometimes the person that's drowning actually needs to be knocked out. They are fighting so hard against the help. It's like, I'm trying to save you here. Stop. And that's the way we are oftentimes in our, we're just like, well, why am I so tired? I'm just tired. I'm tired. Boom. Knock me out. So finally you can take over and deliver me already. You know, it's interesting how much we fight against what God wants to do in our life. I am as guilty of that as, as you know, when God brings me to the point of weakness, I think, why am I weak? It's because I've been trying to do this myself. I've been trying to strive in my flesh. 
And he allows us to get weak so that he can be strong because he has to crush our flesh. And oftentimes that, was, that is what will bring us even to the place of initial salvation and then also to the salvation of our situations, to the deliverance of our situations after we've accepted Christ. Last verse. Now, you, I've said I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's Philippians 4.13. But the other one that I loved, um, that I just, just came into my mind last night, and I couldn't find the reference, um, so I, I Googled the reference. Psalm 121, the first two verses, Psalm 121. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. I will lift up my eyes to the one who my help comes from. Okay? Lift up your eyes today. If you, if you are one, Satan wants to make you, to, to not just make you stumble, but he wants to actually make your faith fail. He wants to make your faith fail. He wants to knock you out completely and be defeated. But he has already been defeated. If you ever feel completely helpless to the attacks of the enemy, remember in John 16, 11, he is already, Jesus said, before he left his disciples, he said, don't worry, the enemy will be judged because he has already been defeated. So he is given this time on earth. Why? So that we can choose, not robotically, but we can choose God. So he's been, we, we have to get, you don't have a choice unless there's another option. Okay, you just are a robot if there's only one choice. The choice is an A or a B. So we have the B, but we got to choose A. We got to choose God. And so today, think about face your critics in the spirit realm. There will always, always, always be critics, especially when you're moving forward to doing something that God wants you to do. There just always will be. And how you respond. Will, will make you the victor. Do it in the spirit realm. Fix your cracks. Be wise. Wherefore, 2 Corinthians 10, 12, wherefore let him that think he stand, take heed lest he fall. Don't think that I'm good, I got this, yeah, it's all good. Ask God, search me, God, know my heart, see if there's any way in me that needs to be fixed. Fix my cracks, God. Make sure that, that, I'm, that I'm ready. If you have a crack and the storms of life come, you are susceptible to completely splitting wide open. Okay? We've got to fix our crafts through Christ. And then find your strength in God alone. Because he is our strength. He is our strong tower. He is our helper. He is our shield, our protector. He is our good, good father. He delights to do great things in our lives if we let him. Let's pray. Father, thank you, God. Thank you, God, so much for what you've given to us, what you've done for us, Lord. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you, God, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to pay for our sins, to give us the amazing gift of salvation. God, just that gift alone, if we choose you, that gift alone gives us access to the power through the Holy Spirit living within us that is the very same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. I thank you, God, that we serve a risen Savior and that that power that conquered death, you have given us, God. You have given us. It is within us. If we just access it, I just pray.
praise you today, God. I thank you, God, that you are not dead, but you are alive. And that risen power is alive and active in us if we will access it. We need never give up. We need never give up. Because if God, if you are for us, who can be against us? Who dare come against us? I thank you for that. I thank you for that reminder, and I proclaim that today. As the enemy has tried to make me think that maybe giving up would would be an option that might be more pleasurable. I thank you, God, that you've exposed his lies and that the only way is your way. I pray today, Lord, for anyone that does not have the Spirit of God living within them, God, that you would just ignite in their soul a deep desire. God, create a, a... a, a, a hole that is, is they're so aware of, that they're so empty that they need to fill, that they would just not be able to rest until they make that decision today, God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I believe that a message like this demands a, a response and a reaction. And so I don't want to leave today. I don't care. It, it's, it's, it's noon, and we will be done in a couple of minutes. But this message, I want you, if you have never accepted Jesus Christ, if you've never asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your life and save you, if that could be you, I want you, don't, don't overthink it, just, just raise up your hand right now. If you have never asked Jesus into your heart and you would like to ask him into your life and be, ask him to be the Lord of your life, if that decision, you've not made that yet today, or at any time in your life, raise up your hand real quickly right now. Let me ask another question. If you are struggling with the desire to give up in an area in your life and the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today and you said, I just need prayer that that I will claim victory in this area and I will stay the course, I will stay set on the path and I will rebuke the enemy for telling me to give up and I will walk in victory and you need prayer to not give up in any area in your life, Would you just slip your hand up? Yes, many, many hands. Many hands. Many hands. I know these are are tough times when we're faced with so many things. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. God, I just lift up these people today, God, that just may have come in even this morning with a heaviness on them, that they just, they need you to remove the weight. You've said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, God. I thank you that you've said that and that we can just take your yoke, God, we, that we can find our comfort and our rest in you, God. I, I pray this morning for each hand that went up, each heart that has been tempted to give up, maybe, maybe in some cases has given up, God, that you will just, just implant a, the spirit of a conqueror and a victor and a warrior within them this morning, that they would walk out of here with the mantra of, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I pray that for each person, God, that we would be showing your glory to those around us because we'd be walking in your strength, not our strength. We we are a mess depending on what we face, but we can do all things through you, God. I pray for each and every person, God, that you just empower them, give them victory, give them hope, God. Give them back the hope of their calling, we just, we just rebuke the enemy for, for ever daring to mess with our hope. You are our living hope, our sure foundation this morning, Jesus. 
And we praise you and we will walk in that strength, God, by your strength. And I ask this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ today. Amen. So I'm just going to give you a couple of quick announcements and then we're going to have Wendy come and, and close us out in prayer. We'll be praying for Greg as well. And Wendy, you can make your way here. On the back um, is, of course, the, um, the retreat uh, flyer after the service for 25 minutes. And I already, Margaret's already going to be keeping me from the time we started. She's going to keep me very, very tight there to, to stop it at that time. If you are interested in even knowing what help is needed for the retreat, Downstairs, we're going to do a quick 25-minute meeting or less just to go over a couple of things. Um, regarding that, I would love for you, um, man or woman, if you want to be part of that. Um, don't forget your tithes and offerings. The tithe box is there. The, um, the, uh, remember, tithing is, is, your, is really your worship to the Lord and, and really trusting him. Uh, don't be one. And someone, someone spoke to me recently in, in terms of the messages and things that I've heard that uh, it's really spoke to my heart, and, and they said, don't be a person that is holding the, onto the scraps. When we have such an abundant God, don't be holding onto the scraps uh, by thinking that you need to hold back from God. God is a bountiful, plenteous God, and, and when, we, when we give freely, we will, we will uh, receive back from, from him in blessing. So tithe really is for you and for your freedom in that way. Um, the Firestorm Conference, you guys know about that. If there's anything you need to turn in uh, with that, um, I don't usually make that announcement. But the prayer walk has been uh, um, moved to next Sunday for obvious reasons. Um, you'd hate to be mid-sentence and have your mouth freeze up, right? Um, that has actually happened to me. Or be drooling and be unaware of it. Oh, that'd be awful. Anyway, if you're outside, it's just cold, okay? Um, anyway, so the prayer walk is next week, and uh, of course Casey's down with the kids, and... Um, so I wanted, but I want to make sure many of you have said you're going to the retreat, but have not actually registered. So please let me know if you've not registered. Try to do that today. Um, if you need to post data check, you certainly can, and we'll make sure of that. But um, we want to get that in. And if you've already registered, you've got to call the hotel because that is really important to go ahead and get your your room um, booked. So um, and then Peter, is there anything else you can think of that I am missing? Oh, I, I, it's actually a question I had uh, regarding the Firestone Conference. So we're, we're, we have to call up the hotels or ourselves in the register room? Oh, yes. Oh, those, those, okay. Um, I'm not sure exactly where to go for Bruce, that's our hand Fire. Firestorm? Greg told me that he has already reserved five rooms. Okay. Um, okay, so I, I'll talk to Greg. Yes, I would do that. And if you okay. if you text him, don't text him regular text. No, text right. him messenger and you can easily communicate with him. Okay. Google? Um, uh, so that's, yeah, he's, he's not the... the Regular texts have been very spotty, but you can messenger him, and he'll be able to answer that question. So, um, okay, so we're going to um, um, close in prayer, and uh, Tuesday night, don't forget about Tuesday night. I know Tuesday's another day that's rough with weather. I was so proud of those who did not even let what was coming down this past Tuesday night phase them, and they, they just came. And by the way, don't ever, ever, ever feel pressure to, to go and put yourself in jeopardy if your car or your ability to drive in, in inclement weather is an issue. Don't ever do that. that don't, we would never dare want to ever pressure you in that. Um, however, at the same time, if, if there's a cloud in the sky, you know, just ask the Lord to use wisdom. You know, overcome it if that's something you need to do. I know I have a van that does not do well in snow at all, but then we have a Jeep that does, but the Jeep has no heat, so we kind of make a decision. <laughs> <laughs> it's Peter, too. Anyway, 
So, um, but God is good, and Tuesday night is going to be just an awesome time again of prayer, and we just are so thankful for um, Wendy's leadership on that. So, would you close us out?